Pepsi Quitters, Cheap Humera, and Facebook is moving into healthcare because that is where the money is. Hi fools, David Williamson with my fellow healthcare analyst Michael Douglas. And if you haven't guessed it yet, it's Healthcare's uh, Wednesday where the money is. Uh, we, we take over the show. We talk everything healthcare. Pretty excited. We were on vacation last week. Uh, Michael had a had a nice vacation down in Disney World. I grew a beard. Yeah. Uh, I've and, and then shaved it. <laughs> I, I have shaved it. I, I, it's although it's turning into winter, so I, I, I'm feeling that impulse to grow a beard uh, again. You know, my, my wife hates it, but uh, it's something I do every couple of years. Well, and of course, November, uh, beard vember. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, that that could actually be a, a nice chance to raise some awareness. I. Uh, can grow a beard, but it is incredibly itchy and not fun for me, so I have avoided doing it every year thus far. Mine's not itchy, but it's just certainly not impressive. I don't know. I think it looks good. <laughs> Thank Cut you, yourself Michael. a little slack. Thank you, Michael. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's move into the news. We're, we're happy to be back in the saddle. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we are leading off with some unfortunate news. Uh, Ebola is certainly on the top of everyone's mind. Uh, there was the patient in the Dallas hospital. He has since passed away. Michael, you know, what are your thoughts here? Uh, well, you know, I think a couple of things. First off, you know, the um, experimental drug by Chimerics, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to try to pronounce because I'm going to mess it up, um, was given to this patient, did not succeed in this case. So that's... It was sort of interesting, though, because it, it seemed like his condition was improving. Yeah, it did. Uh, but uh, ultimately uh, didn't didn't seem to work. Yeah, um, and you know, it just highlights just what a what a what a frustrating and I think for a lot of people, scary disease Ebola is, um, because you know it does have a really high kill rate. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, you know, episodes in the United States have been very much contained. Um, but of course, our thoughts are with um, with Mr. Duncan's family. Yep, and uh, you know the the areas where the outbreak is still you know in full force. You yeah. know, in, in Liberia, it's tough. And, and, and you see, you know, we talk about potential treatments, you know, Chimerics is one of these Ebola stocks that, mm-hmm. that has gone on a run as people think they have a treatment. They, you know, they have a, their, their drugs also being tested out in the adenovirus. Uh, looks like it's having uh, some, some decent efficacy there. Early yeah, on. pretty pretty good, actually. So, you know, that's that's definitely a stock to watch, although it's it's run up so much. I don't know if you want to jump on, jump on that train. I think when you're talking about Ebola, uh, you're looking at potentially vaccines. GlaxoSmithKline is at the forefront of mm-hmm. that. But the real questions are, are somewhat ethical, which is how do you create a trial um, here? Because they're talking about potentially giving people a placebo mm-hmm. uh, to get a control arm. But that's really, it, it raises a lot of questions about, um, you know, certainly those people, if they become infected, will get the best treatment. But given, as you mentioned, the high mortality rate, are you putting people at, at undue risk when you possibly have a vaccine that works? Yeah, it's it's kind of a complicated it's it's a complicated problem. Um, fortunately, as you mentioned, you know there are a number of stocks that are looking into this, and, and a lot of companies that are trying to get involved in Ebola to try and help control the disease and hopefully prevent it. Um, you know, I will say, from an investment standpoint, whatever the disease du jour, chances are very good a pure play stock on it is not a good investment. No, they tend um, to run up and then run right back down. Right, exactly. Um, so we see this with uh, various other outbreaks like avian flu, MERS. Yep. I mean, it, you know, whatever it is, there's always there's always someone who's jumping on that. Especially um, when there are these micro cap stocks that that seem to always uh, have a tendency of repurposing various drugs for uh, for the you know, virus du jour. Yeah, it, it, we, we have seen that happen yeah. from time to time. Not saying that Chimerics is one. No, not at all. But at but all. certainly that, that, that does happen from time to time. Um, so just, I, I think with this sort of thing, it's important to watch on the sidelines, watch carefully, hope that something good co- comes, and then if that happens, then, you know, we can have a, a kind of a better, uh, yep. more intellectual conversation about um, 
whether it's a, it's a smart investment at that point. Because when you so think like a one drug pipeline, it's just it's not good yep. investing generally. I think uh, I think Glaxo is probably going to be the one to watch. I mean, they have yeah. such huge vaccine experience. Mm -hmm. they, they had this drug already in development. It's mm -hmm. being fast tracked. I think that's that's definitely going to be the um, drug to watch to, to potentially uh, make a difference in this. For sure. All right. Well, let's move from uh, Ebola to a different virus, hepatitis C, yep. one that has a far better outlook to it, mm -hmm. uh, considering all the treatments. And the treatments actually may have gotten so good, Bristol Myers throwing in the towel on uh, on, on one of theirs. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, right? So asunaprevir, which is a protease inhibitor, mm -hmm. um, originally they've been planned. So they Bristol has basically said we're not going to try to submit. Uh, asunaprevir plus declenza as a dual uh, combination therapy for hepatitis C in the United States. Now, this is already approved in Japan, where uh, about, I think, 70% of the hepatitis C uh, patients in Japan are mm -hmm. uh, type 1B, which this uh, combo is particularly targeted toward. Um, and so they've got a lot of opportunity yep. to help. And Japan, Japan is a huge market for healthcare. Ab absolutely. You, know, you shouldn't, just because it's an island country, kind of small, you, you do not. Uh, write it off mm -hmm. as just in another country. I mean, this is a major market. Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, Bristol, Bristol's throwing in the towel for the moment, but they're also looking at this as part of a triple combo, maybe, yep. that could potentially be approved in 2015. 15, yep. But, but, like, when you look at it... They have, they have another drug in development, which is BMS 791325, that they would combine with Declenza and Asunaprevere. Yeah, try saying that five times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do love Bristol and their, and their numbers. Yep. Um, but, you know, when you... Especially considering the fact that you look at Savaldi, right? Mm -hmm. The market leader right now. Yep. Um, plus lead iposphere, which has been uh, marketed as Harvoni. Um, potentially, that combo could be approved. The, the Padufa date is um, Friday, yep. the 10th. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, so make, it makes sense that Bristol kind of was like, you know, we're really not going to probably be able to compete well, immediately on Well, this. because the, the efficacy just isn't there compared to Gilead's regimen. Yeah. Uh, Bristol did get approval for Declenza and Savaldi. Yep. So, you know, that's something uh, they were really hoping to sort of package together and Gilead yeah. stiff-armed them and said, no, no, we have, um, you know, Harvoni. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for Bristol. I think, you know, coming back in 2015 with, mm -hmm. with maybe something that works a little better makes sense. Um, although it's going to be tough because, you know, this is going to be a dwindling market. Yeah. Um, and Gilead is just poised to, to dominate it. AbbVie and Merck are also right there. Uh, but Bristol really does look like they're in a good position for hepatitis B. Yep. I think they probably have the, the best B regimen out or that they're developing right now. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of potential there. And then, of course, they also still have immuno-oncology. Uh, they just what did a deal with um, Novartis, I believe, yep. uh, testing out Opdivo. Uh, they're really trying to get combo treatments going for that. Um, and, I, and that's really where the upside is for, for Bristol. It's hepatitis B, and it's really immuno-oncology. Well, yeah, and, and so Bristol, Bristol, I think, among the big pharmas has one of the more exciting pipelines. And mm -hmm. when, when you consider just um, the potential, all too often I think the market distills the stock down to one thing. Gilead, it's Savaldi. Yeah. Bristol, it's Declenza. Uh, you know, Merck, it's MK3475. Yeah. Um, Lambrolizumab yeah. or Pembrolizumab. I think they're calling it Pembro nowadays. Yeah. Anyway, um, but but um, it's changed, you know, like three times. Um, but but when it comes down to it, these companies are much more. You know, yep. Merck has a lot of other opportunities, including hepatitis C. You know, Bristol has got immuno oncology. It's got these other things, yep. and Gilead has H HIV. So I think it's really important to kind of look a step beyond what the market is talking about yeah. when they're like, oh, this is the one thing you need to know about the stock. Potentially, there's more. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, for for Bristol's regimen here, for you know, the, a two-part regimen. 
you know, they said it was targeted specifically for Japan, and, yeah. and, and they're right. I think sales expectations for the U.S. would be so low. Yeah. They just decided it wasn't worth it. You know, they weren't going to... The marketing expense. Yeah, the IRR. Totally. Someone did a very complex IRR model on yeah. that and said, listen, the rate of return isn't isn't worth uh, jumping through all these hoops. So Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point. And I, I think you have to respect them for that. Bristol generally knows what they're doing. I, I, they're... I consider them one of the strongest operators. So if they're if they're temporarily pulling the plug, I mean they're not even really pulling the plug. It's just putting the holding off the on this they're part. They're tapping yeah. the brakes. Exactly. Uh, it's it's for good reason. Well, let's move uh, from Bristol to uh, Amgen and mm -hmm. AbbVie. Uh, it, it's sort of interesting. We have Humira, mm -hmm. which is until Savaldi passes it, currently the best-selling drug in the world. Yep. Um, although it's probably not going to retain that title for much longer. Uh, but it looks like Amgen has a head-to-head -head win mm -hmm. going against AbbVie's rheumatoid arthritis drug, Humira. Yeah. Um, so this was the first of two phase three studies. Uh, and what they did was they examined, this is for um, uh, plaque psoriasis. They looked at psoriasis area and severity index posi, which is kind of like the normal thing you do with plaque psoriasis. Um, and they basically, this drug, succeeded. Um, mm -hmm. It was equivalent. Um, it had about roughly pretty close to the same, um, um, uh, what's what I'm thinking of, the same um, uh, safety issues yeah. um, as Humira. And so um, this is a huge potential for Amgen, of course. And Humira was in 2013, the best-selling drug in the world. You know, maybe in 2014, depending on how Savaldi does, it might yeah. be or it might be number two, which isn't the end of the world, really, when nope. it's as big of a drug as it is. Um, and so, you know, this is a huge opportunity for Amgen, especially because if it's approved in one indication, I wonder if people will start off-labeling it. Well, because that, this is the interesting thing, yeah. and I don't think I said this at the top. Uh, it's a biosimilar. Yeah. So it is essentially a generic version right. of Humira. The question is pricing. Mm -hmm. How cheap is it going to be? Uh, this isn't necessarily going to be a race to the bottom like you see um, with traditional generic drugs. Yeah. Biosimilars may be priced at 50% or 70%, but yeah. it's still going to be a discount. So you have a cheaper version. This is really what AbbVie investors have been fearing, and the question mm -hmm. was how soon would uh, a biosimilar get offline, get online? Because you see some of these biologic drugs, their patents run out, and there's still no competition just right. because they're getting a pathway to approval. Of course, Humira is such a big target that you knew people were going to gun for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this is this is really interesting to me uh, to see, as you mentioned, off-label use. I mean, because they, they picked one indication. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be equivalent at all, but it very likely should be. Well, and so you're potentially going to see... Um, you know, Amgen grab a lot of this market with it with a much cheaper product, and it's going to put pressure on AbbVie as well. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, I think looking at it from a, from a government savings standpoint, right? Of, yep. cor of course, insurers and governments are going to want to encourage use as quickly as possible. But you know, we've seen a few of these European governments encourage off-label use mm -hmm. even uh, with a with a, a cheaper version of a drug. Um, and so, if that if that happens uh, in Europe, then I think we could see that sort of wind down for Abby go, uh, Abby yep. go faster and a bigger potential benefit to Amgen. Well, and it could spill over too because we, oh, totally. we saw this with the statins, you know, mm -hmm. if Lipitor goes off patent and Crestor gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the same thing here, you know, Johnson & Johnson's Remicade, yeah. which is uh, one of the, I think it's one of the top five selling drugs. I mean, yeah. it's not that far behind Humira. Uh, this could, it could face some uh, headwinds from this as well. Yeah, so definitely big, big news yep. that Amgen, AbbVie, and J&J investors should be watching for different reasons. AbbVie and J&J because of the potential downside Amgen because of really tremendous potential upside. Yep, and it would help uh, really establish them as a big biosimilar player because that's really going to be the future of generic drugs. Well, and, and help prove out biosimilars too yeah. because right now it's been it's been it's been a checkered um, 
uh, checkered experience thus far. So to really see one kind of get through and, and do its job, I yep. think we'll see how that goes. So Michael, let's go on from big biotech, Amgen, to uh, technology in general. Mm -hmm. And we have Facebook. Looks yeah. like it's following Apple's lead, yeah. going into healthcare, chasing healthcare. Uh, we have an exclusive report from Reuters mm -hmm. uh, that basically says they're talking about an app, they're talking about uh, preventative healthcare, tr you know, helping to track that, uh, possibly, you know, getting groups together where people can talk uh, who have similar conditions. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting because whenever technology gets into healthcare, you're kind of like, well, okay, show me the money. You know, show, show me what's actually happening here. But when you look at Apple, it's a good example. You know, they, they've had a little trouble with their health kit, yeah. but they've also signed up Epic Systems, um, which is kind of the big marquee EHR provider, um, electronic health record provider in the country. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I yeah. really don't know how this is going to help Facebook sort of loop in more people, how it's going to really fundamentally work in their business model. But if it's a, a nice, safe, easy add-on for them to do, then it makes sense. And let's face it, healthcare is becoming um, more and more of an open topic. And yep. I, I think especially when we look at aging populations um, and the chronic diseases that often often accrue with that, um, then there's a lot of potential growth there. I just don't know how they'll monetize it. Yeah, I, I think that's my question. I mean, potentially ads yeah. to drugs for the conditions people are having in those groups. That's or, true. Or with different preventative care, maybe, maybe certain reminders. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, I do wonder how it will differentiate itself somewhat from HealthKit in terms of, of tracking. Uh, but, I, you know, there is, I guess, a social aspect. You know, yeah. people... Um, you know, want to talk about what's wrong with them to other people, you know, and, and maybe, uh, you know, figure out how to manage it better or if there, there are different treatments that work for certain mm -hmm. people. So there is potential, again, monetization, always a question. I think it's just exciting to see yeah. these big technology companies move into healthcare, which is uh, certainly incredibly innovative mm -hmm. on the drug discovery front, totally. uh, but less so sort of on the back end of things. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing a big shift to, uh, you know, the cloud technology and, and, you know, electronic health records and modernizing and, and how we gather data, create health profiles for people. Apple's really at the forefront. I'm excited to see what, what Facebook's going to do. Not a reason to invest in Facebook. You Not at like all. What they're actually <laughs> doing, you know, if you like what they're they're doing, and you know, I, I'm I certainly like Facebook, mm -hmm. but. Um, that's that's why you should invest, but it's something to track because healthcare, as you mentioned, it's a huge market. It's a market with a tailwind. It's a market that's ripe for disruption mm -hmm. and innovation. So uh, definitely, I like seeing Apple. I like seeing Facebook in there, and it's something we're going to have to watch going forward. Absolutely. Uh, well, and, and speaking of, of, of things to things to watch and, and things to, to talk about, you know, here at the Motley Fool, we're, we're very much forward thinking um, with a lot of our. We try to be. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the idea anyway. And of course, sometimes that blows up in your face, right? When when a, a stock you're really excited about just doesn't quite live up to its promise, and we've seen that happen a number of times in healthcare. But you know, one of the things that we're all about is trying to educate folks, trying to give people ideas as to like what the next big thing might be, whether it's mm -hmm. the Internet of Things, 3D printing, what have you, um, and and. This is, of course, one of those services. Um, and we have a variety of other podcasts that are those services as well. One of the other services is our Stock Advisor, um, which is kind of our flagship service. It's run by David and Tom Gardner, our two co-founders. Tom's, of course, our CEO. Um, and over more than a decade, the recommendations in Stock Advisor have more than tripled the market's return. Um, Frankly, for anybody who's thinking about finally taking the dive into investing, I'm a former stock, uh, stock advisor subscriber. Uh, all staff get yeah. get to be on it for free. <laughs> um, but you know, we've got a special offer for where the money is, listeners and watchers. Just go to wtmi.fool.com um, and check us out. And uh, you know, if you have any questions, please reach out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for joining us for Healthcare's Where the Money Is. We have energy coming up tomorrow, and Michael and I will see you back here next week.
full on.